2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannotto and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM
4: ESPN.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad he is with us. In just a moment, Mark Giannotto joins us via the phone. We'll start, of course, the show with the two games from last night. The Tigers prevail at Wichita State 83-78. Pick up a nice, solid road win. Mark and I will get into that as well. As yet again, another blown fourth-quarter lead for the Memphis Grizzlies. Eric's going to join us at 240 Rescheduled from yesterday, Eric will join us today. We'll discuss the Grizzlies with him at 2:40. Mark will rejoin the show at three o'clock. We'll get into the list. Lots to get to. It's got some more Russell Wilson reports that are always fascinating to me. Also, Live Golf is back, and there is actually a name that you'll recognize at the top of the leaderboard. We'll get into our games of the weekend. We'll tell your story, and then we will get out of here. But now let's welcome to the program, Commercial Appeal's lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. a top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter, at MGNOTTO. Mark, good day, sir.
4: Uh, hello from uh, my, uh, my quarantine headquarters, Jeffrey.
2: Is that your office upstairs?
4: It, well, it's the guest room upstairs, mm. but yes. Yeah, there's my. that's where uh, the, my desk is up here uh, in the guest room. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, a little lonely, but uh, we're getting through.
2: So where would you like to start? Because I think it was a, a fascinating night in that when you got to about halftime of the Grizzlies game, you were thinking, man, this could be the exact situation we talked about yesterday. It's one of the most fun situations when both teams win. It's more enjoyable to talk about wins. I think people are in better moods when when you talk about the wins. And I don't know how you felt about the Grizzlies game. I started getting a little worried in that third quarter, when they started off the third quarter and didn't score for like three minutes. I started to think like, oh boy, eh, here here we go again. But the Grizzlies kind of steadied the ship during the third quarter. They even built up a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter and... Rinse, repeat. We've been here before a few times. The Grizzlies blow a double-digit fourth-quarter lead. Where do you want to start?
4: Yeah, well, you know, the good news, I guess, is if there is such a thing in that situation is the Memphis team that needed to win the most got the win last night um, in the Tigers. I feel like we should start with the bad part first. You know, get the bad out of the way and All then right. we go to the Tigers. Okay. Um. So... With the Grizzlies, you know what's—I don't know. I, I'm watching that game, and I'm going because because the thought is okay. Go just look at the numbers. Pre Stephen Adams injury, this team was one thing. Post Stephen Adams injury, this team was another. And you know, I, I'm just watching that and go watching that fourth quarter and going. I get and. And in that game in particular, you very clearly, you know, Xavier Tillman was playing down the stretch, and very clearly, you know, Adams would probably be in there instead of him, I would assume. Yeah, I think that's fair. Against the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid. Um, but, I don't know. Part of me was going, is, is Stephen Like, I've never thought of Stephen Adams. I know he had, like, I forget what he had the tip-in. Was it against Cleveland where he had the tip-in to win it? I well, believe that's
2: correct. I believe it's the it. Cleveland game, yeah.
4: You know, he's had a couple of moments like that, but I've never thought of Steven Adams as like the linchpin of the Grizzlies' fourth quarter success over the past couple of
2: years. Um, and Well, no, I mean, to, to your me... point, a lot of times in fourth quarters, this year aside, but last year – he wasn't really a massive part of the fourth quarter. Most times, they were closing out games with with Brandon.
4: Yeah, and I, I'm just I was just sitting there watching it, going, "Is he really going to fix what's wrong with them in the fourth quarter?" Because ultimately, we're talking about you know kind of how this team has has faltered over the last month and a half or so, and we wouldn't be thinking about it the same way if like some of these games like last night like if you recall um you know the lakers game from yeah. that road trip way back when there's several others where like you know you're up double digits you have a nice lead with 3 4 minutes to go and you can't you just can't close it out um and if they just win some of those a couple a few of those we're thinking about this maybe a little differently. It's like instead of feeling like this team is kind of heading on a downward trajectory, we're going well. They're just they're treading water, you know. That's what you, that's what you do when someone's out with it, someone who's important is out with injury. And and I'm just beginning to wonder. And I'm maybe I, I hope I'm my, my This is all just me being a little uh, jittery, if you will. But like, is Steven Adams returning really going to fix? What went wrong in the fourth quarter
2: last night, for instance? So, I don't think Steven Adams is an antidote, if you will. Like, bringing him back, I don't think that cures everything. I think they have more issues than just not having Steven Adams on the floor. I do think last night he actually would have helped. And this would be the case that I would make. In the fourth quarter, you know, to me a big part of it is Ja being able to get going downhill and you just see without him like that's part of fourth quarter jaw I mean in reality it wasn't like jaw was just you know standing at the three-point line and just smoking folks from deep it was him getting to the rim and last night he gets to the rim five times in the fourth quarter and doesn't come away with a single bucket I do think Steven Adams would have probably led to at least one or two makes in the fourth quarter at the minimum
4: yeah he missed a couple of gimmies too Um, And, like, honestly, the fact that they were up double digits and he was, you know, by his standards, kind of a non-factor
2: jaw. Well, I mean, let's take that point for a minute because I want to get your thoughts on this. If you wanted to spin positively after such a, you know, yet again another frustrating loss, could this be the case? Hey, you were going on the road against – maybe not the the top-tier Eastern Conference contender, but a, a team that is, you know, in the top three of the East. Yeah, and John I mean, Jaron didn't really play that well. That you could see coming out of the Yeah, but John Jaren right Jaren on particularly on the offensive end, Jaron was yet again an animal on defense. But on the offensive end, neither were particularly good last night, and yet you still kind of scratched and clawed, and, you know, you well, let a game frankly, get away.
4: Bain was great in the first quarter. He didn't really do that much the rest of the game.
2: He had six point. He had tw- he had nineteen in the first quarter. Six the rest of the game. Yeah. So,
4: um, yeah. If you want to spin it positive, and, and it was the first game after the All Star break. I'm, I'm. Listen. I'm not going to draw any. Like I want to see what they look like again once Adams comes back. Hopefully next week at some point. Um, and maybe maybe you know. Maybe I'm underestimating just what an impact he can have, but it has been—it's uh, just a—it's just a continuation of a concerning trend for these guys. And it just feels like every time I'm watching these games, I go like last night. I just go, "This is how they'll lose games in the playoffs. This is how it's going to happen." If it, you know, like, like in it's—I um, I don't know. I, I just—I I worry we're putting too much on Steven Adams here if that makes sense.
2: No, I, like, I, I do think it's fair to say I don't think Steven Adams fixes ever. Like They're not going to come back and then all of a sudden win 10 in a row because Steven's back. I, I, I do think, but I think this is a, a bigger question than I have. Is this now starting to get mental? Because I started to wonder last night, everyone keeps talking about the scheme difference in the fourth quarter. Well, teams were sagging back on John in the fourth quarter last year, and he was still able to he was still able to get into the paint, make shots. Like, I'm just wondering if this is kind of snowballing him. And they're starting to react the same way that we react when we watch it. When, you know, when Philly hits a couple of shots in a row, you sit there and you're thinking to yourself, all right, here we go again.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think this group has had enough success, though, over the past couple years that – I don't think, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's, I, I wouldn't go the mental part. I mean, ultimately, even once they lost the lead, I mean, Bain had a wide open three to tie the game at the end. Um, missed it. Got another chance. Missed it. That was a tougher three. Um, I also, I, it was interesting. I, clearly they were going for the three. I thought it was interesting they didn't go for the quick two there, um, at, you know, towards the end once they lost the lead. but I'm
2: trying to call. Uh, did they have a timeout? I'm not sure because to me the I, I had no problem with the play. You got a wide open three for. I mean, I mean
4: uh, no, in, no, I have no. But no. I, but I also wonder though, should should
2: three if they would have had a timeout, I do think Jaron probably should have called one. But at the same time, like I'm not going to fault him because he's sitting there. You know, they're trying to make a play at the end of a basketball game, and it's helter skelter. Like I don't fault him for that, but I was thinking maybe they could have taken one there.
4: Yeah. Well, and then it was interesting watching the two teams and how they deployed their players as well. Yeah. Cuz obviously people were people were talking about it and bead and and Harden played like 39 40 minutes whereas like Ja, Jaren Des and even Tobias Harris and and uh Tyrese Maxey played yeah. more than than John uh Des and Jaren did. They played like about 32 33 minutes whatever it was. Um and I don't, I'm actually not uh, one of those people who's like, oh, they need to like that's the part that matters to me. Um, like I get why Jenkins does that. You know, he's trying to. You know, like he does up their minutes in the playoffs and and that sort of thing. And I, you know, he doesn't want to, you don't want to burn them burn him in the regular season, if you will. Um, my thing is though is that if you watch carefully, Doc Rivers never had a lineup out there that didn't have, like, Embiid and Tobias Harris or Harden and Tyrese Maxey or Harden and Harris or, um, you know, Harris and Embiid. Like, he had two of those four out there at all times. And the Grizzlies do that, too. They've been doing it the last couple years, where, by and large, it's either John Dillon or Dez and Jaron or... Um, John, Jaron, or Des and Dillon. Um, the problem is, like, it made it, it worked better last year when Dylan was an effective offensive player. But, like, you know, at what point do we go, is this a slump, or is this, like, a guy who has completely regressed offensively? Because... Oh, I mean, like, I, I think the,
2: the appropriate question is, is it the yips? Because, like, now he's at the point where it doesn't even look like he wants to shoot. Like... But, like, it doesn't, the rotations don't work if it's built
4: around having two offensive, like, two guys like that out there at the same time, when at times, like, Dylan can't be considered one of those, like, he's not really, he's, you know, like, Santi Aldama's a better offensive threat than him at this point.
2: At home. (laughs) He was all right last night. I mean, to me, I think, though, like, what we're talking about, I think if you needed to... To bottom line it, though, is I think the biggest problem that we're watching is, Mark, they just don't have the depth that they did last year. They don't have as many good players, or as many, maybe I should say this, as many dependable players.
4: Yeah. No, that's, I think that's for sure. And then Tyus has continued, you know, last night continued to play like garbage.
2: Um, You know, Roddy gave him some good minutes. Um, No, I did think for in in the fourth quarter, I was thinking to myself, is this the David Roddy game? Yeah, um, I think they should. Pl- I'd play him over Contra right now. He every time he plays lately, he does something good. Um, he also does have the threat. He's an actual threat to slash. Yeah, um, and he's tough. He's just
4: like yeah. I don't know. I you know I, I don't know. But you're right. I mean the roster just doesn't like. They may be the second best team in the West by record. But they ain't the second best team in terms of roster, not right now. It doesn't feel like, and, and obviously Luke Kennard will play. Hopefully, maybe Saturday. I don't know. I don't know how sick he is. You know, you had a non-COVID illness that kept him out last night. But
2: if you um, had to play a game
4: Saturday, could you? Um, well, according to CDC rules, mm-hmm. I would not be able to. Um, but I don't have a non-COVID illness. That's so. true. I have. I have both a non-COVID illness and a COVID. Yeah, you COVID. Get, you doubled up. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's uh, I, I don't know, man. It's like I, I got this sneaking suspicion, like, like man, it, like even if, like even right now, like they'd have the ideal matchup of either, right? Isn't it? They'd have either um, New mm-hmm. Orleans. Or Minnesota in the opening round of the playoffs, like I don't know, I wouldn't like. I'm sure, Min- I'm sure Memphis would be favored over both of them, but like the team we've been watching for like a good month and a half, like I wouldn't feel com- like real confident that like to be able to definitively say like, oh, well, they're getting out of the first round. Like, like I don't know. At what point do we just do we do we stop going like,
2: oh, they're not whole and go? maybe they just played well for 2 months in november and december. Well, I think that's certainly one of the considerations. I mean, I think the I think the truth probably lies somewhere here. They're probably not as good as they were when they were fighting for the, you know, the top of the standings. And they're probably not as bad as it feels like because in the end they do have stretches of really good basketball. It's just mm-hmm they're not putting together whole games.
4: Well, and I just think they need to get, they
2: need to, like, it's very clear in these fourth quarters, especially. Cause again,
4: if they just are like, instead of being horrible closing out fourth quarters, they're just decent or average. Like we're, you know, they're probably four games better than what they are right now. And we're like, you know, they're, yeah, they're behind Denver, but they're like comfortably in second. We, when we're going, well, they're just, You know, when when Adams comes back, they're going to be even better. But it does feel like, to me, Jenkins – this is partially on Jenkins at this point in that, one, the rotations, I think, need to get better because very clearly they're just not getting – they're not getting what they're supposed to get out of their bench. And so that, to me, means you need to maybe reshuffle the deck a little bit, Um, you know this formula that you've used the last couple years, like maybe it's time to change it up a little bit to adjust to the circumstances of the moment. And the circumstances of the moment are you don't have many guys coming off the bench as many guys coming off the bench as you did a year ago that you really trust. And two, Dylan Brooks has regressed offensively and who knows when he'll get it back or if he'll ever get it back. Um, and um you know i don't know maybe it is time to play your stars a little more um it's time i think you know last night i thought it was weird that they didn't you know they didn't go through jaren more uh in that game um until yeah you know, they did a little bit late but um you know he was being guarded by pj tucker a lot and like we didn't see those post feeds in jaren um then you know he took a hit of that X, you yeah, know, and he rode that wave last night. You know, we got another game where Xavier Tillman played 32 minutes and Brandon Clark played 16, and, you know, um, I get it, I guess, in the sense that, like, Tillman can rebound and he can guard Joel Embiid and, and Brandon Clark got in some early foul trouble, but and it'd be one thing if it was a one-game thing, but we've seen it happen a ton. And what does it mean when Adams comes back? Are we gonna is it gonna be the scenario again where you know Adams comes back and X is gonna just go completely back to out of the rotation? Or, or is this a sign that like X is past Brandon Clark in the rotation, which I hope it isn't?
2: Um, you know, I, I what, what... think I think it was more matchup dependent last night. I will say this. I don't think Taylor Jenkins has an X problem but I do think he always invites people that he knows has X to his party every night. <laughs> he wants the option. Yeah, Like, he doesn't, he doesn't have a dealer yet, but he, he's, always, uh, he's always having the people around him that he knows are going to have it. Too much X is not good. No. All right? It's I mean, that's not. the other thing. Like, in the fourth quarter, I mean, to me at a certain point, the other team kind of tells you, Mark, they were literally leaving him open.
4: Yeah, like it's just I don't know, and they and they need to mix up what they do down the stretch. I mean, teams are clearly you know, and and I thought the last play was a nice change of pace, and maybe it maybe it means you know having Bain run the point, you know, down the stretch, so Ja can can free up Ja to do some things up the wing, kind of like what Penny does with Kendrick at times.
2: Um, I, I'm but, also starting to wonder this with Des. I don't think it was any coincidence that he's been hot in the first quarter. Like, I'm starting to think, like, usually, like, when he gets heated up, he probably feels pretty good early in the game. But I think as the game starts to wear on, he sits down a little bit, you go to half, and and you're, you know what I mean? Like, once he starts cooling down, like, I think it becomes a physical problem.
4: With the toe? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's he's saying, he says he's good, he's great, whatever, but, like, the reality is he's also said he's going to have to get surgery on the thing after the season. So it's not 100%. It can't be 100% if that's the case.
2: I just don't know how you explain the disparity, like, half to half with him other than Mm -hmm. the longer the game goes on and the more, you know, it's start and stop, start and stop. I think it starts to bother him more. Yeah, well. Because he had, that's the thing, Mark, he had good looks. They weren't exactly like in and out no good when he started missing.
4: Yeah, no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't great. Um, By the way, did you hear what Doc Rivers said about Dylan Brooks after the game?
2: No, I saw that he was blaming the NBA for making Embiid play the All-Star game. He said, quote,
4: Dylan Brooks was talking trash at me in the first quarter. I usually don't engage, or at least I try not to, but I said to him it's still early. He didn't even look at me in the fourth quarter.
2: I mean, I do think Dylan, like we're watching like him have a – like he's going through something in real time. I mean, he, you know, he, and he was talking
4: hard, and he did he, – you know, he's still playing hard defensively. Um, oh, I, I don't think a,
2: this is. A, I don't, Mark. I don't think this is an effort thing.
4: No, um,
2: and I don't think he took. He didn't take an inordinate amount of shots, right? No, I mean it, it's it's not only that. It's it's now like he's. You can sense a guy like thinking about it rather than just like letting it rip. And, and I don't know, man. It, it's it's bizarre to watch him play right now because there's also like we can. We can go through, you know, these adjustments and whatnot. I mean, the reality to me is where, where they're really falling short is they, they do not have as many guys playing quality basketball that you need to have playing quality basketball.
4: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, right now, if you go through
2: the roster, who's playing quote-unquote well? Um... I mean, I think you would have said John Jaron until last night. Oh, I, yeah, and I'd certainly still say them. I'd i still like their i I'd say that the
4: you know, they you know, the big three, if you will. I mean, Bain hasn't been quite as good, but like he's still playing well. Like you feel like you can count on a certain level of productivity from him from night to night. No, I, I agree. Um It's just like, not it's not the season, you know, Clark I mean both Clark what? both is isn't getting a lot of minutes and hasn't played that great. Um Tyus hasn't played great. Conchar hasn't played great. He did a couple things last night, but, you know. um, Tillman, I guess you could say, is playing okay, but like we we just detailed, like there's just – you're just limiting your ceiling when he's playing a lot of minutes. With Xavier,
2: like I'm not even necessarily saying that Xavier's playing poorly, but it's like what is the ceiling of – like the fact that he's on the floor I feel like is not great. He's a great break glass
4: in case of emergency option, provided you don't, you know, like you don't have to, you don't expect to have to break the glass, you know? Like, um, like he's great as an, as an 11th man. As like the 7th man, it's like, uh, I
2: don't know, you know? Um, to me, he's like the middle reliever that if you start to have problems in your rotation, injury problems, like you put him in for a start and you can get five or six out of him. That's great, yeah. but I don't know if I want him going for the complete he's, game.
4: He's, he's he's the he's the long reliever, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, and it's you know I don't know. It's we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, all these people are tell who are saying Stephen Adams coming back will fix everything are right. Um, that like it, all these people pointing out the numbers before and after he was here, or before and after he was injured. How good the Grizzlies were in crunch time when he was healthy. How good they were, you know, offensively when he was uh, healthy, and and how bad they've been in all these other categories, all these categories when he's been hurt. Hopefully they're right. Um, yeah. Because if they're agreed. not, because if they're not, if 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 it if if they're not right, because like ultimately now it's to the point where like if they if they don't like show market improvement. When Adams comes back, it's going to be hard to say, like, this team's going to eat, like, let alone be a contender, but, like, it's going to be hard for me to say, like, this team can go out and definitely win a playoff series the way they're playing right now.
2: No, I mean, that, that's, like, that's the question. Like, is this a lull or is this a, is this, like, a fundamental problem in which, and because I can make the case, all right, Jaron's contract's starting to kick in, so you had to. Get rid of, you had to get rid of Kyle Anderson. And you've been, tra- you know, you, you then trade De'Anthony Melton and you you try to replace them with Conchar and two rookies. And, well, lo and behold, like. Well, to be fair, Melton didn't do crap last night either. No, but I'm just saying, like, he gave. He did play decent defense on John, felt like. And it felt like Melton gave you more last year than Conchar's given you this year. Yes, that's definitely true. And, you know, the rookies are rookies. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it's – I think it. what we've clearly seen, and I'm not even blaming the front office. Like, I, I believe them when they say said they tried. I think it is clearly displayed they need another guy. Yep. How do you yep. go get and another fact guy? fact, they
4: went out – the fact that it sounds like they were so aggressive doing it tells you, like – they knew they know it. And implied in that is this team's not good enough yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's turn to brighter things. The Tigers get a nice win at Wichita State, 8378. It was a nip and tuck game the whole game. Kind of one of those nerve wracking games. Wichita State I thought played well um uh in the game. And uh but they you know when they need it was like it, you know, it was, it was so nice to see. It was like a reinforcement. Um, but it was like one of those games where it was just like, you know what? When big plays needed to be made, Memphis made them. You know, when big shots needed to be hit, Memphis hit them. Um, and it was like Jonathan Lawson. It was Demarie Franklin. Yeah, it was Kendrick and DeAndre, too. Um, but it just felt like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, 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 it sounds simplistic but it's just like that's a game nca tournament teams win and memphis went out and won it
2: yeah i completely agree it feels like and i don't know if this holds true for every team but it's like for to pass the eye test for a tournament team you kind of want to see a team go on the road in february kind of late you know late february maybe the you know early march and just go get a tough win and while Wichita State's not sitting, you know, top 50 in the net or whatnot, that felt like a tough win. And the thing that I thought was similar to the UCF game, it's like when it just came time down the stretch, man, they made winning basketball plays.
4: Yeah. No, absolutely. It was um, it was a fun game to watch, honestly, um, and to see them deliver. And then, you know, like – Kendrick, obviously, you know, we got the news right after our show that Keontae Kennedy uh, is out for the regular season, at least. Uh, yeah, don't
2: you hate it when those walls get in the way?
4: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, because I was thinking about this. I, I put it in my column that's up at com. You know, like, last year, the drama with this team was about, like, the the fives the ballyhood recruit that they got who just showed up one day with a back injury and decided not to play until the nca tournament came around Bi- biomechanic injury yeah excuse me this year the drama is about kendrick davis and his ankle and um he spent he apparently was like in treatment around the clock cried because he couldn't play You know, like, he cared so much and so badly wants to make the NCAA tournament that he went to, like, these Herculean lengths to get back quicker than the doctors told him he was supposed to come back. Um, And then he comes out, and, you know, it wasn't his best game, but, like, you know, he very clearly was healthy enough to make a difference, and he did make a difference. Um, And then after the game, he's, like, thanking the trainers by name and all this—it was just like so stark the difference there. And then, you know, even the the punching the, the punching the wall incident. Remember last year we had the uh, the mystery, the shattered. We had the shattered uh, glass mm-hmm. in the locker room incident after the Murray State loss last season. Or um, wasn't it
2: the doorway to the locker rooms?
4: Yeah, it was like the glass doorway. You know, like yeah. it wasn't the door. It was like the glass partition, if you will. Yeah, um, that got shattered. And uh, it was uh, – it's just funny that it was like the, 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 there was punching of the walls after losing a game you weren't supposed to lose, whereas this punching was losing a game. You probably didn't have any business winning without Kendrick Davis. Um I said, I said this. I'm, tell me if you think my declaration – you agree with my declaration, Jeffrey. I said this is Penny Hardaway's most satisfying team. That's how I phrased it.
2: I think that's probably fair. I mean, to me, they're they're certainly this. They're getting every
4: ounce of what every ounce of what they've got. They're getting out of
2: yeah. Because that was the other thing about last night. Yes, Kendrick and DeAndre played well. And maybe did Kendrick play well? Like by his standard, I don't know. But he, he watched him play, and he played well. They're just getting these team wins where it's a different guy stepping up and making a play. And yeah. to me, the thing that really stands out about this team is. It just feels like it's their most – it's his most stable team. Like, you just – I'm not saying they win every game, but, like, you know what you're getting out of them every night. Yeah, it's not even – we don't know. Like, last
4: year was his best team at this point. And this team is not at a point where you can call it his best team yet. They got some things to do to take care of that, uh, to get there. I think they could eventually end up, you know, being remembered as his best team. Um, You know, I could – you know, to me – if this team does exactly what last year's team does, I would give this, you know, in terms of, you know, let's say they, let's say they follow the same path last year's team did and lose to Houston in the AAC semi championship game and then win a game in the tournament and lose in the round of 32. All right. Would
2: you consider this team better than last year's team? Better team, I don't know if it's a more talented team. I think the, like oh, when certainly I, not a more talented team. I don't think. I think, I the, think the way that I would phrase it, and maybe it's the same concept that you're using. I think it's his most likable team. Yeah,
4: I think that's. I think that's definitely right too. Um, what do you think of what Lenardi said? Uh, that if they go two and two which essentially means now if they just go one and two over these last three, they're pretty much assured a spot in the field. What do you think about that? I I was a little I, surprised. I wanted to caution all Tiger fans to go, Joe Lenardi is the most popular bracketologist. He's not the most accurate bracketologist.
2: No, I do think, though, I think the path is there. I think the problem is if you go – if you now go one and two versus two and one in the remaining stretch, I think you leave yourself a little more vulnerable. You know, you start getting some bid thieves in these conference tournaments. Then all of a sudden, you know, if a couple of spots get taken that weren't, that we weren't expecting to get taken, well, then all of a sudden now you find yourself sweating it out. But I would actually say his comments and how strongly he went, don't you feel like that? That jives with the eye test. Like, I just look at Memphis, and I think they're a tournament team.
4: Yeah, well, and that's why, honestly, I expect them to win the next two, to be quite honest. Um, And certainly, like, I definitely – they're not losing at SMU and Kendrick's return to SMU. I'm sorry. I just do not believe they're going to lose that game. That's not a great SMU team. Um you know and then they get it's a, if it was at cincinnati i'd think a little differently but it's not it's at home um and so um i think they're going to win the next two because i mean i do too but i i the think i've been showed up last night look like a team that's go, ready to go win the next
2: two yeah and that's kind of what they've looked like i don't know to me like it is a big statement that they show up to play every night
4: yeah well, and I think it matters at this point, especially, while, yes, this, the Memphis made the NCAA tournament last year, Kendrick Davis has never been in the tournament. Yeah. Elijah McCadden's never been in the tournament. Um Franklin's never been in the tournament. Jonathan Lawson's never actually been like a, you know, played in the NCAA tournament. Like, there's a lot of guys who are playing a lot of minutes, Who have never gotten to experience that. Most importantly, Kendrick. I mean, I think that can be ultimately a great rallying cry the rest of the way is like, we got to make sure Kendrick gets the NCAA tournament. This player is too good to never experience March madness. And oh, by the way, we see players like Kendrick Davis every March catch fire and lead teams on these. What's one of what's one of the what's, one of the, what's the one of
2: the big cliches? And I'm a believer. Cliches exist for a reason, but like guard play in a tournament can be extremely useful.
4: Yes, and like now you've got you know Malcolm looked a little better last night and played a little more minutes. Alo looked like he had his touchback on the offensive end. So yeah, he's still lost, though.
2: He is clearly still hobbled.
4: Well, he's not, I mean, I think uh, Penny called
2: him 80%. That's how Penny – Penny. I mean, was, was I, I give him 80%. all the credit. He's clearly gutting it out. But, like, you can tell he does not feel good. Yeah, well, but that's what's so endearing about the team. No, this I agree. Team. Like – No, like, if, if, if you're just being – like, an If you're just a generic fan, like, what do you want your team? Like, you want your team, obviously, to be good, but you'd like for them to care and play hard. This team cares and plays hard.
4: Yeah. Yeah,
2: I'm. Uh, I'm happy they
4: won uh, against Wichita. I'm. I'm. I'm hoping they win the next two, just so like, we can go into that Houston game and just be like, okay, well, let's just
2: go beat Houston. Not yeah, have, while, like, while all, we're here, yeah, why not?
4: Yeah, like not have all this ex any extra pressure attached to it. No, I agree.
2: All right, Mark, we'll bring you back during hour number two. We'll get into the list with you. Ole Miss has a head coaching vacancy. We'll talk about that and more during hour number two. Thanks, bud. That is Mark Giannato. When we come back, let's get back into the Grizzlies. Eric Hasseltine Hasseltine joins the program next right here on Giannato and Jeffrey.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call
1: silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. Gionato and Jeffrey, broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas.
5: This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Gionato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM
2: ESPN. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, You can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Must be 21 years or older and you must be in Tennessee. Visit BetMGM.com for a full list of terms and conditions, new and existing customer offer, all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non trouble. Bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gaming support, call the Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Eric Castine is the Memphis Grizzlies radio network play-by-play host. Kind enough to reschedule and join us today. Eric, help me make sense of the fourth quarters. How do you see it? I wish I could. I wish I had an answer for yeah, I'm you. sure Taylor Jenkins does too, right?
3: You know, so it's a weird thing. I kind of expected that. I was trying, I thought you were going to talk a little longer. I just took I ate a cracker. Um, I think it's one of those just awkward things. They're so good in the first, and they're so good in the third on the season that it's hard to fathom why. And the second quarter is not that great either. Yeah. Why the second and fourth quarters are, you know, in the fourth quarter you're supposed to be playing your best players, and, and they do stick to a rotation. They get those guys out there, but – I just don't know. Like last night, I, I I think that towards the end of the game last night, John Morant realized he needed to he needed to help and, and take some of the scoring load. He had been passing a lot, but if they were going to come out on top, he needed to get some buckets. And you know, he missed the layup. He yeah. got to the rim. He got around Embiid. Missed the left hand layup. He, he didn't get bumped, and it just missed. It, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, they they foul Embiid on the bucket an 86% free throw shooter misses the and one and it turns into a three. So instead of giving up an and one, you give up a two and a three. Yeah. So that's an extra two points that really affected the game. And they, they should have had that rebound. They had a chance to get a couple of steals they didn't get. And I don't know, man. I just don't know what, what the problem is. It's It's been a season long thing and it's, it's wild because up until this stretch where they've struggled, They were one of the best teams in terms of going into the fourth quarter with lead. They had only lost once, and now they've lost, I think, seven. They've lost six games where they've had leads in the fourth. And they really controlled this game. And without Steven Adams, I thought they were playing terrific all the way around. David Roddy looked good. Xavier Tillman was playing one of his best games. Jaron was playing well. But, you know, look, any night that Jaron and Josh struggle like that from the field, it's going to be hard to win. And Dez had 19 in the first quarter and then finished with 25. So either they got out of the rhythm of getting in the basketball in good spots or Philly made some adjustments, but somebody else had to step up and nobody really did, unfortunately. Brandon Clark, Tyus Jones had games below what they normally give you, and you go on the road, it's already hard enough to win there, and I think we said it on the broadcast with about four minutes to go, they had a four point lead. I said, You're going to you can't be looking to the officials, you can't look for anything else, but you're going to have to play nearly perfect basketball to beat these guys down the stretch because they're good and they're very good and and they've won a ton of games on the home floor they've actually handled the west rather easily this year which is a rarity for eastern conference teams yeah so they've shown they can play with anybody and you know it's i don't think this is a problem in the grand scheme of things especially you know if they're playing better basketball but because they're struggling a little bit right now people are looking at us going oh is it time to hit the panic button I said you know and I don't think it's time to hit the panic button but it's frustrating because that would have been a great um that that would have been a great uh win to get on, on somebody else's home court and they didn't do it
2: no I mean to your point I was trying to think about it this way and not even necessarily like okay spin it positively Obviously, the result of the game is going to impact the way people feel. Like, duh. No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm saying anything profound there. Right. But I do wonder: is it maybe not as bad as it seems? Because if you do take a step back, hey, they they had a really good basketball team on the road. They had them down double digits in the fourth quarter, and John yeah. Jaron offensively didn't play well. I don't feel like that's going to happen very often. No, no, it's not. And look, we, again, it's like a
3: broken record right now. You see how valuable Steven Adams is. You see what he means to this team. And when they're getting offensive rebounds, when they're struggling and trying to make a run back in a game and and you can't secure those rebounds the way you could, if Adams is out there, then you you understand. And, And look, it's, it's, wild. there's a reason they gave him the two-year extension. And um, this is not a – they're not at the point yet where they can – everybody can have an off night and they've got a, a star that can just completely carry them. Yes, Jaw is on the cusp of that. But we were talking about this last night as well. You look at Joel Embiid. Yeah. And where he is now compared to when he got in the league. Obviously, it was a process because of the injury to the foot and all that stuff. He's 29 years old. And he looks like a man amongst boys and Jaron is 22, 23, I think, and you're thinking, okay, he's not going to have a significant drop-off in the next six years, like athletically. In fact, if anything, he's going to get stronger and better, barring any major injuries, which we knock on wood hope never happens, and that's what he could potentially look like, not quite as offensively skilled but defensively and strength-wise. Okay, that's a pretty good thought. Jaw gets better. Everybody gets better. And there'll be some different faces in in places – as that goes along. But this is still a really young basketball team, but we've been a little bit spoiled. Been a little bit spoiled by early success for a team that really it was going to be next year was their target year to make a big leap forward that these first two years were going to be years of, hey, we're going to be good, but we're going to have to figure some things out. And they've been the two seed last year, and they're still in the two seed this year and still have a good chance at it. Obviously, got to start winning more games, but – if they're not the two, they're going to be the three or four, you would think. And that's pretty good, considering each year everybody says, oh, they're going to take a step back. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, this is – they're not ready to do this. Oh, last year they caught people off guard. And that is a, a, a factor. I do think that there's some of the le- – there's there's less of the, oh, you know, they're the Grizzlies, they're good, but they got a ways to go. People respect them. and And I know people dislike them, which is a sign of respect, because it happened again last night where – jawing goes on and they've got a reputation and they've got a reputation because people are paying attention and people are paying attention because people know they're good. So frustrating. Yes. Hard for fans to watch down the stretch when you feel like, okay, this is going to be the turning point. This is where the, the, you know, you get the the signature victory, so to speak, like a college team would say to kind of push you back into the, the realm where you should be. And it doesn't happen because against a team like that with two, Future Hall of Famers, and I do think M B is a future Hall of Famer yeah, yeah. At the, already. Um, they're going to make plays down the stretch, and if you don't match them, <laughs> that's it's not going to go well for you. And they didn't match them; they just didn't. They missed shots and they had open looks. I mean, look, Desmond Bain gets a wide open three to tie the game. You, you feel good about that? I do. I uh, think. I, had,
2: I, I mean, you you know, for people that were like, you know, I mean, obviously when you win. Everybody's looking for somebody to blame. But, like, I did see some people trying to blame Jenkins. I'm sitting there going, he called timeout, and he drew a play to his best three-point shooter, and he got a wide-open look. I got a, right, what, what more do you want?
3: Like, How are you blaming Taylor Jenkins for Desmond Bain missing and then getting a rebound? And, yes, he hesitated on the second one because James Harden was there, which you kind of want to go, yo, dude, James Harden ain't blocking your yeah, shot. Yeah,
2: it's like let it rip. Yeah, but it's... It's human nature.
3: You see a defender right in front of you. You're not taking the, the time to look at his jersey and go, oh, it's James Harden, I can just let this rip. But you've got to let it rip either way. And, and look, they still, I think the frustrating thing about that was they got the look they wanted. It was early in the clock, and they got a second one. And maybe it was just the internal clock. Jaron didn't realize that he had way more time to pull that ball out or go get a two and then foul.
2: Did they have a timeout?
3: I think They did. But you know, look, they they didn't have the possession of the ball
2: long enough to do anything. No, like I'm not, I'm definitely not in the camp of blaming Jaron. I just couldn't like, because in the in the end, like, hey, it's you know the clock's running, and I'm sure yeah. everything's going fast. It's like it just almost felt like if you had a timeout, that's a good spot to use one to try and get reset because it just felt so chaotic at that point.
3: I believe they did, but you know, I would have to go back.
2: And, and that's that's to- so nitpicky, like you know what I mean. Like I'm right. not, I'm not blaming anyone. Anyway.
3: It's happening so fast. Yeah, you're right. I know you're not doing that, but, like, again, it's very easy to look at all of these things and say, okay, this, we could have done, you could have done this better. Here's the thing. They needed to make, finish off plays a little bit better than they did. The Rockets found the, mis- I'm, the Rockets, I'm thinking the Rockets, because the Harden, hard, yeah. The Sixers found the mismatches that they wanted when they needed to get back in the game. They got guys isolated in matchups that were favorable for them. Look, hard guard for Xavier Tillman to take to to take Joel Embiid straight up. Hard guard for John Conchar to get James Harden off the bounce. And that's kind of what happened. And, you know, okay, that's you know, that's that's where you're at. You're missing Luke Kennard, you're missing Stephen Adams and, you know, the the you only got one, you know, true ball-stopping defender and he's moving around too. So yeah. it's give Philly some credit. They're really good. I think they're You know, I know everybody's talking Boston, 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 and rightfully so. And then people are talking about Milwaukee. You sleep on that team, you're in trouble. I I know they didn't look great last night, but if you sleep on that team, I think you're in real trouble because they've got enough talent there and just a devastating pick-and-roll duo that in a playoff series could really cause a lot of problems.
2: What are you seeing from Dylan? Because to me, on the offensive end, you know, it's one thing, like, now, like, you can't even make the argument, like, oh, he's taking too many shots. I, I just see someone, it looks like he's, like, going through a war in his own head on the offensive end. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, a little uh, a little hesitant, a little,
2: you know, l- lack of confidence. You can feel him thinking, and, and maybe, I don't know if it's in the yeah. building, but that's what it feels like on TV. Yeah, there. and I said that, I think, on
3: one place. He, he wasn't as instinctive as he was like, do I really want to take this shot? Where in years past, he that's, that's never with, been like, an issue. Well, Yeah. It wasn't an issue and it was a problem for some fans, but you know, he even admitted like, I've got to get myself right. I've got to get back to believing in my game. And you know, it'll get there again. Tough way to open up of the break with one of the best teams in the East. And they're now 10 and three against the West in Philly. So, they're beating everybody up there. It's not like this was a, a you know, a one off that you look and go, Well, you just gave one back to the field. You didn't give one back to anybody. They're really good on the home court.
2: When Steven Adams returns, is it gonna be a no duh moment where it's like, okay Because like I don't know, I'm I'm of two minds. On the one hand, I know what he provides. Like in the end, I'm with you. I think Steven Adams probably gets one or two of those rebounds in the fourth quarter, and that maybe sure. changes changes the complexion. I also think Ja doesn't go 0 for 5, all basically in the paint, without Steven Adams. But I do yeah, also did wonder... that you notice that, that
3: when they, whenever you got in there, that whoever Embiid or whether it was Paul Reed yeah. or anybody was guarding, if Jaron wasn't there and Jaron was generally on the perimeter, they just said, hey, if you can get it to him, knock yourself out. We'll take our chances with the other guy. yeah. But we know we need to double you or you're going to you're gonna really hurt us. But I think Adams, they still probably do that, but they have to have a little bit more respect because of his size. And if John misses, that, that ball's not getting anybody else but Steven Adams. He's going to box out Joel Embiid. Embiid had a good game here in Memphis. And, yes, the Sixers did not have James Harden nor Tyrese Maxey that night, but they had Tobias Harrison. They had a good squad, and the, the Grizzlies just controlled the game the entire way despite Embiid having a monster night. Harris had a big first quarter, but after that he didn't do much of anything. And then last night, again, I just – when Adams is there helping on the pick and roll defense, it makes a difference. You don't have so many guys sagging in. They they have got to stay true to their defensive principles. They left too many shooters wide open in the corner throughout the ballgame, and it, it, it came back to bite them. Yeah, it's like – And that's okay. I mean, it's a, it's, it happens. It's one of these things like – I don't want to sound overly critical. No, of the no. team Because these are, these are normal things in an NBA season – I just think everybody kind of got spoiled with the 11-game win streak. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, there are people talking about this team winning a championship now. And this is two years ahead of schedule, three years ahead of schedule. What's the, the future?
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.